Episode 101 is here. 101. It's weird even saying that, I feel like. Yeah, it's still weird for me whenever uh, when I look at the, the new page. Or if I'm telling someone that we had to break everything out into three different years now, 2020, 2021, 2022. It just seems like such a long time that we've been doing this, but it's been a lot of fun. Last episode was a ton of fun. Yeah, it was. Um, it's the first time I had to beep out um, cuss words. So that that, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. So what ended up being like, what, 13? Was I don't the remember. There was like six in a row within 30 seconds. <laughs> and then it, it went a little while. Uh, you know, it's kind of like me with cussing. It's like I can go the whole time without cussing, but once I like get approval and do it once, I'm right, gonna go. Right. I'm gonna go all in. You know, and uh, yeah, that's cool. We do have a returning guest today, which will be uh, exciting back on. But um, what's going on in your world, Tim? Yeah, I mean it's. Right now, my big high, man, is uh, beating the rain on my run this morning, man. I felt like uh, felt like a boss because as soon as I came back in, the uh, skies opened up and it just dumped. So, right in the middle my... of March Madness, been a yep. wild tournament. They always say that uh, St. Peter is going to win it all. Are they going to win one more game? Can they beat Purdue? What do you think tomorrow? What, what, what is what is Purdue? What, what seat are they? There are three. Remember. Three. I get some big I, guys. Yeah, I love the Cinderella stories. My theory, though, is uh, guys who can are from cities that are good basketball cities. You got to be a little worried about St. Peter's right yeah. outside of New York. We'll see. So, how did you meet the pocket pocket property guys originally? Um, through William and Mary. So we have a uh, we had a mutual connection there, and. Um, Interesting story in this sense of uh, they provide an introduction because we, they thought that I could provide some website help, uh, mm. which which is certainly true. But then during that initial conversation, uh, talking to, to Stan, I was like, yeah, are you asking them, are you looking to raise capital? What are you trying to do? And then that opened up a whole new category of, of conversation. So uh, from that point, gosh, it's been about a year and a half, two years. I don't know. I, I Time goes so fast and I totally cannot calculate COVID time anymore. Um, Pre-COVID, COVID, post-COVID. Yeah. I, I don't even remember if it was during COVID or not, but we started talking about raising capital and getting everything set and ready to go. And Yeah. We need to have trajectory. quadrants of COVID too, like the scary part of COVID <laughs> where like block lockdown COVID, like Okay, like getting back into the world. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. When you say introduction, though, I always like I am one that is very um, I question introductions. So when someone's like, can you introduce me to someone? I'm like, eh, I just met you like, right. you know, let let's let's figure this out first. Like, are you one, Tim? That's like, cool. Like, I'll, I'll meet with anyone. How how or do you introduce a lot of people? Yeah, like, where, where I'll typically, I, I'm always really generous with the first meeting. And, uh, and I'll do everything through Calendly. So I make sure that, you know, that I don't allow myself to get booked, um, for too much of a time period. And then we always can book a second meeting afterwards, but yeah, I'm always pretty cautious about that. But the thing with the guys from pocket properties, welcome guys, is that, uh, super, super coachable in the sense of they listen and they act. So I'm always looking for a company that will run figuratively as fast as I like to run. And so it's like, we'll, we'll have a conversation. We'll talk about the things that, that they want to talk about. They have the, they take down their action items uh, in terms of what needs to be done. And then it's just like, before you know it, those action items are done. They schedule a reoccurring call and, uh, and they just continue to knock things out, take advantage of opportunities. And that's like the dream people that you want to work with. So many people aren't, aren't that way. And and to can just to give you more props on that, the amount of people that will get a link, and we ask them to answer you know three questions that are like, no, this is too hard, or <laughs> I don't want to, or whatever, or just too lazy, whatever it is. Like, it's an unbelievable amount. It's got to be ninety yeah. percent of people get get asked to be on the show, or asked to be on the show, and then won't even fill out a form. Right. And then even even if you take that and put it into some other situations, like hey, book book me here just to have a call, 
have nothing to do with an interview show or anything like that. Like people are lazy. So like, if you just put a little bit of effort into something like you can be successful in life, I feel yeah. like not, not Stan and Josh. I mean, those guys, you guys run so fast that if anything, as I'm telling you guys to, to throttle back a little bit and, oh. uh, because you guys are just, you guys just go, 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 which I mean, I love it. It's awesome. I, I love the energy and uh, everything that you guys are doing. So for those that don't know about what pocket, pocket properties is, Welcome to the show, guys. Tell us a little bit about Pocket Properties. Yeah. Awesome. Well, first off, thank you for that, that great introduction, Tim. Thanks for having us on. Uh, super excited. Um, yeah, so I'm Josh. I'm the, I'm the CEO and the, the, you know, Stan with me, who's the uh, original founder and COO. So I'll let him kind of introduce Pocket Properties and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So uh, what is Pocket Properties? You know, we, we get that a lot. Um, you know, it's changed over the, the from the very conception. Like we said, we've been on this project for about a year. So Pocket Properties, uh, really our, our main mission is to uh, innovate and democratize uh, real estate investing through technology. Um, so what are we building? Really what we're building is a mass-based solution that allows, uh, that, that follows the standard two-model, two uh, excuse me, two-party marketplace model uh, similar to eBay or Fiverr, where individuals who own real estate assets can come on, uh, raise capital from non-accredited investors, or even in the case of, of more traditional private placement funds, they could come on and quickly raise capital from their investors on a private marketplace and onboard those investors and keep track of any cap table management or capital management needs that they may have throughout that process. Uh, we do this through utilization of smart contracts. So we utilize blockchain. As you know, everybody says the word blockchain throws it out there. Uh, but really what the purpose of it for is for the core concepts of it. Uh, the, the, the ability to track, uh, track transactions, uh, the ability to automate many of the back office processes like accounting, um, uh, uh, investor management, investor onboarding, and really keeping track of and, and really keeping track of their securities and their issuance, while also enabling P2P transactions yeah. for their their client base. It seems like a lot of people are getting into like syndicates of real estate too recently. I mean, are there any similarities in, in, in that? Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're thanks thanks to the technology that we that we are utilizing, we're flexible. Uh, and whether a person could do a syndicate, whether it's the traditional real estate fund. So, you know, thinking, you know, a small size REIT or individual properties such as, you know, a person wants to raise capital to do a fix and flip for their um, for their for their real estate project that they may have. Um, so we're we're fairly flexible in the things that we can do in the uh, the the real estate owners that we can benefit. And do they have to be accredited in, in this world? So that's um, that's a great question. Um, the answer is yes and no, right? So we operate a public marketplace, which op currently operates under Reg CF, which allows for unaccredited investors. Um, this is the, our MVP. This is a project that we just put out. Uh, there's some limitations as far as how you can transact the liquidity events, hence why we went with a debt model for it. Since there's a maturity date, people don't have to hold it for, you know, five to 10 years. Um, but on the uh, on the private marketplace, which we're currently working on, um, you know, that's more so for the unaccredited, uh, the accredited investor, which, you know, allowing them the ability to have those P2P transactions. So if they want to exit a position, they don't have to go to, through that fund manager and able to do so since they are the actual holder of the security and not the uh, not the actual fund holder. And, and you guys have had. I mean, you're attracting a lot of people right now in, in terms of waiting lists. Uh, yeah. And then with the big launch of the MVP, I mean, what's what's been the reception so far? Yeah, it's been it's been it's been definitely good. It's fallen right in line, which is really uh, good for us to see with our kind of standard market research we did and kind of predictions. Um, so that's been great. You know, we, we amassed over 3000 waitlist members. A lot of those members. Uh, we're definitely, I think, focused on the end product, which we're, we're still building towards, which is, uh, um, you know, that platform where it can be peer to peer trading, buying, selling, sh sharing um, or, you know, shares of real estate. Um, so conversion was was really effective. We, you know, MVP launched what we're on week three, week three, 
week three. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a blur. It's been exciting the past three weeks. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing uh, week over week uh, growth of users uh, converting, which is great. And we're at uh, almost 21% uh, for our offering filled. So quick conversion, seeing that kind of tracking exactly what we thought for numbers um, to fill up this, uh, this deal that we have presented on our MVP. So that's been great. A lot of fun. Yeah. Can you take us just through a, uh, like, who's your target audience? Who's your target customer, your ideal customer? And then yeah. just take us through a quick use case scenario. Yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. Tw 24 year old, 30 year old, whatever the case is. And what do they do? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll start off with kind of, I think our, our, uh, you know, target audience, which we're looking, you know, to capture. And then, you know, I'll let Stan get into the, to the use case um, really there and, and why we came up with that. But Really, you know, when I came onto the project, one of the things that uh, was attractive to me is is presenting real estate in a way that's um, accessible, but also capturing what we've seen over the past couple of years, which is there's a huge uptick in people uh, that are, you know, millennials on the, the older side of millennials, the younger millennials, and then even um, not as much for us, but those are our core target. But then even some of those a little bit older uh, Gen Z where over the past few years, we've seen a trend uh, with things like Robinhood, uh, Webull, Coinbase, all these different platforms where people are, um, you know, taking control of their investment and really um, educating themselves instead of the traditional ways of, you know, using, um, you know, a broker or something like that, that they want control. And so we looked at that and said, well, what's next? Real estate. No one's making that attractive. No one's marketing that to these people. No one's really captured this massive audience that has shown year and year, uh, time and time again, that they want to invest. They want control, and they they do care about um, you know where their money goes and how they're spending it. So really, our goal is that that kind of millennial, I would say, um, age range, uh, you know, 30, 25, 30, 35 plus. Um, that's kind of our focus. Uh, people that are more novice investors, but really excited about getting into it. Um, and their hesitations in the past are for things that we think we're solving. One of them being, you know, education. People, most people don't know. They don't have the upfront capital needed. Um, or, that you know, they, they just don't know where to start. They don't know uh, the information about real estate and all the various deals and intricacies mm -hmm. that can come into all the different investing scenarios. Or they don't feel comfortable with something they found to invest in. And that's what we're looking to kind of bridge the gap in. I know so, it was a little long winded there, but. <laughs> so I remember, you know, and, and Tim, you probably remember this too, but like when I first met you in 2012, 2013, a lot of kids, call them kids, a lot of people, a lot of founders would be like, we're going to build Facebook for X, Y, Z, Facebook for that. Then it kind of became Uber for this for a little bit, you know, and, and, and that's the way <laughs> yeah, that people describe that. stuff. You just, you just said Robin Hood, right? I mean, so are you guys Robin Hood for real estate? I mean, is that the easiest way to really say it from, from you know, the, the 2012 uh, way of thinking back then? I would uh, kind of. Yeah, um, kind of. That's a great yeah, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> Um And the only reason I say that is we, you know, while we do have that marketplace component, you know, it's we're more of the NASDAQ style for real estate. Now, what do I mean by that? Yeah. Um, you know, we're a marketplace, right? Uh, so there's people, you know, just like on a stock market who have the companies who want to go public, who want to raise capital. Uh, they go on the NASDAQ, they go on a stock market. They raise that capital from, you know, us, the end user, the investor. Um, you know, we're, we're more in that line, but we do have that, you know, that customer facing aspect to where they can actually come in through our platform and purchase the uh that particular security that particular asset i think a lot of people struggle with how to explain their business a lot of ctos are terrible at explaining their business right i mean the 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 greatest pitch of all time is you know we were using mp3 players for 10 years probably even longer and it was like oh there's a you know a gigabyte worth of mp3 players then um this guy named steve jobs comes and says oh it's you know a thousand songs in your pocket really explains that it makes it understand i think a lot of people 
were using that kind of marketing angle, the Facebook for whatever, because they couldn't articulate what they actually do. Have you guys found in communicating with prospects, with actual customers, with some of these investors, is it easy for them to grasp pretty quickly? Uh, and, and when they don't, what do you do to kind of bring them back in, reel them in so that the person who probably is a correct customer will actually get in because I think a lot of times people struggle terribly with this. And even though that person would be the exact right fit there, there's a communication breakdown. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and real quick, I mean, like, and did my question kind of along with mine was Zach, I, I'm thinking like the millennial 25 to 30 year old, do they just get it off the bat? Cause they're so used to fractional shares uh, because of Robin hood. And, you know, it, or, and is there more questions from the older generation because they're like, you're trying to do what on block? What? I, I don't understand. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it's funny, you know, being a, uh, you know, a two-sided marketplace, we kind of, we serve, we serve two, two kind of very different demographics. Um, you know, when it comes to the, the end user, the millennial, uh, we call them capital providers. They understand right off the bat, like, Hey, this is like Robin hood, but it's for real estate. Uh, when we really get into talking to the people who are providing the assets, providing the properties, you know, we take more of that. Hey, this is the NASDAQ approach. You know, you're essentially taking your company and uh, your asset and raising money for it. You know, so we have kind of two different ways, depending on, you know, which client base that we're talking to, how we describe it. Uh, but generally, uh, we see that the capital providers, the end user, generally either gets it or they don't um you know is, is there's really we haven't seen anybody in the in the middle uh, once again we have kind of a very specific target audience that we're going for these people have invested before they're familiar they know about coinbase they know about Robinhood, so they understand the concept of alternative investments already yeah um and then there's those people who are just been like i have a 401k i have an ira and it's managed completely you know this product isn't quite for you um you know, we're not trying to make it seem like this product is for you, you know? Yeah. yeah. And Zach, to, I guess, answer your, your first part, uh, it's a super interesting question because I think it also falls in line with the just entrepreneurial journey in, in general, which is when we first got into a lot of, you know, even pitching, I would say, yeah, we definitely left some people confused at first as we tried to figure out even ourselves, like, where are we coming into the market? How are we positioning ourselves? What's our strategy? Um, but I would say now we don't really get as many questions. I would say now we really have narrowed down not only who we want to talk to as far as investors go. Um, so we have a, they already have uh, an understanding, um, but also just overall, when we talk to anybody, we, we don't get many questions. You know, if you would have asked us that six, seven months ago, we would have said, no, oh, man, uh, I, I wish he wouldn't have asked us that. because We definitely leave some people confused. But I think that's part of the journey, right? Like. Well, I think too many people try and get cute with it too, where they're like, "Oh, I'm the fairy dust of this," and well, it's like, "Yeah." And one thing that I, you know, and, and I'm not trying to give myself credit here at all, so, but just, just, just make me feel good about myself for a moment. But one of the things that I told Josh and Stan was, every time you pitch, and I tell this to everybody, every time you pitch, document every question that was asked, mm -hmm. and then if you see a trend, then you have a hole in your pitch, and you need to address that. The next time that you pitch so hopefully you guys took that advice and that alleviated a lot of the questions that that continue to be asked yeah yeah not not only that and um, also you know had a, a huge again also um from, from you tim but huge advice we got from you know another william and mary connection recently really helped us understand that and get 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 better as well which was you know uh, uh bay um, which was, which, which was great as well for us. So yeah, thank you for that. We definitely awesome. take that advice and, and run with it and see, see how we can improve because uh, you guys definitely know a little bit more than us. That's for sure. So always trying to, to take the advice and apply it because then it only helps us. Well, at, right on cue, we got a question, uh, for you guys to, you know, add to the bank, if you will. Uh, Matt Castillo says, I'm a novice investor. You've spoken to how people can raise capital for the project. How do I, as a retail individual investor, make money through your platform? Yeah, that is a great question. Great question. So, yeah, so, um, yeah the, uh, there's a couple of ways that you can make money through our platform. 
Um, the one that I'll discuss the, the most in depth is is our what we currently have up, which is a debt offering. Uh, one of the key uh, components of our platform is we have the flexibility to do both debt or equity offerings. Uh, so how does somebody raise money from this particular deal that we have up? So essentially what this, um, what happens is the user will come on, they'll make an account, they'll invest into this particular asset. You know, you can pull up the, the assets info card, all that stuff that has all this great information about it. Um, and on there, you'll see that this particular one is a debt offering. So essentially what that means is that you're coming in, providing this individual capital as a quote unquote loan. So instead of them being, you know, for fix and flips and real, uh, real estate renovations, you can't generally go to a bank. So you have to go to what's called a private lender. So in this case, you're taking the place of that private lender, but as a collective. So you'll come on, you'll invest, uh, you'll invest, uh, let's say a hundred bucks um, into this with a pool of other uh, individuals. So what happens is, that loan goes out, there's a preset interest rate. This current one is 10%. So how you make uh, how you make money on your capital is that that individual who took out that loan, who that, you know, is doing that renovation, pays back interest over a set period of time, whether it's six months, 12 months, or whatever is agreed upon during that, uh, during that conversation. They pay back interest on that money. Then that interest is then dispersed to the investors at the close of that offering or you know or what we call the maturity date so if it matures in 12 months then after 12 months your money is then returned to you with the interest on top of it and what's uh and if, it, if it's not through debt then uh so if it's just not, yeah if it's not through debt and um you know one of the one of the things that we're currently working on is getting a more traditional style um real estate fund up that's equity based. Now the, the payout's a little bit different. Um, you know, this particular one uh, that we're working on is a, it pays out your standard dividends yearly. It'll be a, about a five-year fund. Um, so they pay out dividends yearly. And then there's a liquidity event at the end, such as a refinance or the sale of that particular asset. Once that, um, once that sale or refinance happens, the investors are then paid out and then given returns or profits based off of what's agreed upon for that particular fund and that particular fund manager. Tim, when you when you've done syndicates from just a uh, investment standpoint, how how does the rollout of cash happen typically? And do you get like a K one every year? What is, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, I mean, so from the syndicate side, you have your syndicate lead, and they're the ones that they're the decision maker um, for the rest of the people that signed up for the syndicate. So uh, if there is a, an acquisition or an IPO, then that syndicate lead can make the decision in terms of, do we distribute the cash? Uh, if, if it's stock, then that the syndicate lead will determine, hey, we're going to hold on to this stock for X amount of time, or we'll distribute it to the members of the syndicate and they can do what they want to do. Um, but you're really at the, uh, at the mercy mercy of the syndicate lead uh they're the ones that are making the decision for you i, I love a good air quotes yeah <laughs> thank you well i mean it's just assuming that you're with the right uh syndicate lead i mean they they should understand what the the market uh the direction of the company and you know you have full trust that they're going to do what's in the best interest of the syndicate um for future months or years whatever that might be got it. so stanley th this is this is your baby, right? I mean, this is the, you know, this is your brainchild that you came up with it. Yes, yes, I did. So, so how like, and I can't remember if we talked about this last time or if you guys are even said it today. You know, terrible memory apparently today. But like, like, how did it come about? Like, how did you decide this is something that like you wanted to build? Well, um, when I was down at William and Mary, I ended up getting into uh, getting into real estate my junior year. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I started just making cold calls for a local real estate investor. Um, so he could, you know, in return for him teaching me kind of the ropes and, you know, how to get started and all that stuff. Uh, eventually, you know, we parted ways and I ended up getting into, um, what's called real estate wholesaling, which is, you know, really acquisitions for larger investors. So what I would do is I'd go and find a, find someone who had, you know, uh, dilapidated property or abandoned property um 
essentially negotiate a deal with them and then take it to a larger investor, say, hey, look at this deal, it's great, um, and then get a fee from, you know, essentially procuring that deal for them. Um, so, you know, that was really my step into real estate. Uh, and, you know, I made, I was successful at it, uh, made enough money that I was able to pay off any loans that I had for school. Um, it really just kind of at that moment understood the power of real estate. Uh, and, and that kind of led me to say, Hey, how can I, how can I let other people, uh, break into the real estate market? How can I allow them the the chances that I had afford them the chances that that I had, but they might not have the same network that I had. Uh, so that's what really led to pocket properties was really just a way for for me to take down a lot of the barriers that I experienced when I was breaking into the real estate market um, and, you know, save a lot of people, a lot of headaches, a lot of heartaches uh, from having to go through all the all the, you know, extra steps that I had to experience. It, it was funny. I, I was telling someone recently that um, a couple of people in my family are adopted. This is a completely big switch, but like I was telling some people in my family are, are adopted. And I said, yeah, I think adopting a kid is like $75,000. And they were mind blown by that. And so I was like, all right, well, let me Google it real quick and figure out um, what it is. And so it's it's like thirty five to seventy five thousand dollars is the average adoption uh, to adopt an American child, uh, a U.S born child in America, something like that. And somewhere in there, it's basically like you got to hire a adoption coordinator and legal services, right? Which is like this, this special person is going to take you through the process and make it really expensive. It kind of seems like in real estate, there's some kind of aspect of that in it where it's like, oh, if you want to do this, you have to have this special thing, special person, whatever. And, it, and it's, it's kind of like, why, right? Why are these things that like don't have to be so difficult and are, and are big problems and people want them fixed, yet we make it so difficult for people to actually, you know, get access to those yeah. things. Why, why do you think, it, I mean, and I know the adoption thing was a, a big swing, but it, I see where it ties in. Yeah, there's, there are these coordinators, lawyers, whatever, yeah. that make things so difficult even like raising money in general, like the, the legal aspect of, oh, it's yeah. gonna, you're going to pay this guy a hundred grand. You're like hundred grand. I could have used that to hire someone else. Like this is, yeah. I mean, I would, I mean, me personally, I mean, I would say right off the bat, it's, it's, it's one way to keep the insiders insiders and it's a way to keep the outsiders, the outsiders. And there's, I mean, I would imagine there's probably only a couple percent of Americans that can afford just to, to put up a down payment to even try to finance a home. But then if you're looking at investment property where it's a second home, then it gets yeah. even more difficult. Exactly. You yeah. know, and, and yeah, 80% uh, of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, that alone, that, uh, you know, that. And, and the, like, like Tim said, that's one of the big things that, um, you know, makes real estate investing so difficult is the amount of capital. If you're not one of the people who has large sums of money, you know, not even large sums of money large sums of money that you can take risk with. Yeah, disposable income. Dispo yeah. Disposable income. Um, you know, real estate's a very hard industry to get into unless you do the gritty, you know, uh, the very gritty cold calling real estate agent route. Um, you know, most people don't, in, in the U.S. don't make enough to have, uh, to put $20,000 $20, down on a $100,000 home if you can even find one because yeah. um, the down payment for an investment property or fix and flip um, from private lenders is generally about 20%. Um, so, you know, people don't have that, that type of capital laying around uh, a lot <clears> of the times. And, you know, speaking on why is it, why is it so difficult? Why just in general with real estate, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. There's a lot of people that you have to pay. Um, some of those people aren't necessary. Um, you know, some of them are like title companies. They're 100% necessary. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just a very middleman process. Everybody wants to get mm -hmm. their their hands in it. You know, it's old. It's an old process. So I understand where it came from. But yeah. once again, and that's why our 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 value proposition. Yeah. Um, you know, innovating innovating real estate investing through technology. Yeah. Um, as we know, real estate investing has been the same since its inception. Uh, you buy the house the same way, you know, you still have to go to the law office and sign for closing. 
yep. to yep. this day. Yeah. Um, when you can do everything through the internet, DocuSign, even notaries are online. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's just a an industry that's kind of been stuck in its ways. Um, a lot of it's been due to regulation. Uh, but now that that regulation is starting to loosen up a little bit, people have the ability to try these new ideas, try these new concepts, and try to make real estate investing a lot more friendlier. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I would even say, too, is like, uh, it's even the same as, you know, starting a business is I think that's what something people don't think about, right? And that was one thing uh, when I entered into uh, real estate investing that I learned very quickly, it was similar to when I had started other businesses. And I did not think that at first, everyone thinks, oh, it's going to be easy. I have even if they have initial capital that they think is disposable, it's never enough. <laughs> so that was my experience and continues to be an experience with one investment property is that looking at it like a business and really um, it's time consuming. It takes a lot of, of connecting of the dots and networking, um, you know, even for me to find a contractor that I can trust that I know is going to be fair, give me good pricing um, that can get the work done and do it consistently. That was huge until I found that that was a massive um thing that I constantly thought about with this. What if something goes wrong? Who am I going to find? And where our property is, is it's kind of isolated. It's not um, near, well, it is near a big city, but where it is, it, it takes a lot to get it out there. So it's, it's in Long Island, New York. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of people out there. It's kind of secluded uh, way out on the island far. Um, so for me, even that's what brought me to pocket properties. I went, you know, when Stan initially kind of, uh, gave me the, the rundown. I said, yeah, sure. That makes sense. Um, I completely understand this and this, this would be awesome. Even from my experience, you know, so. How did you guys meet? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, uh, one that, that goes back a few years, but I actually, uh, hired Stan, uh, originally. So I, I originally not to get into this huge thing about me, but when I first came to Virginia, uh, I'm from Baltimore originally. Um, but I came here to, to start a business. So I came here and opened a sales and marketing uh, firm in uh, right, right down the street, actually, from where we're sitting right now, which is come full circle. And uh, I had uh, in that first year. So what was that, Stan? That had to be 2017 or 16? 17 is when I started. 17. So summer of 17, um, about a year after I had launched that business, um, it was going going really well. And uh, I decided, you know, this would be a cool opportunity if I if I there's a lot of great great schools around where my office is, I, I wonder if I put out an internship, if, if maybe I could not only get um, just a high quality individual, which would be fun for me to develop, but also see if I can give back and kind of provide opportunity through, um, you know, an internship, uh, which would be fun. It was more of a sales internship. So I thought, huh, this will be cool if I, I put really tough targets and then see if these interns um, can hit them. And so I had that uh, done and I had a few interns. No one made it even through, I think, the first uh, three weeks. Not that it was insane, but, you know, it was very structured, very, very um, consistent. And Stan, I'm sure, can tell you it might have been a little demanding. Um, but Stan was actually the only person to this day that I ever had. Uh, and I, you know, ran that and those businesses for over five years. And I offered that every summer. And Stan's the only person that completed it successfully. And so that always, you know, you always remember something like that. Um, especially cause, and I think he wouldn't mind me saying he took the internship cause it was putting him out of his comfort zone. Um, I was putting him in front of people, you know, 30, 40 people every single day and, you know, putting a little bit of, you know, I think positive pressure to, you know, close some deals with, you know, obviously help guidance, um, and tools. And he was, you know, constantly excelling and developing. So always remembered that that's how we first, first met. And then, um, and then, yeah, I guess I'll break there because it, it could keep keep going and going and going. Well, one thing that I really appreciate going back to the previous question was the fact that like for younger people, they they, they can't afford the twenty, thirty thousand dollars that it would take for a down payment. Or you you give a, a platform that's educational in the sense of, hey, this is something I would like to do in the future, but let me learn at the, on, on the small stakes poker table, if you will, I can, I, let me throw a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, buy a few shares, see how all this plays out and understand the game with low dollar amounts. And if you lose a couple hundred bucks, you lose a couple hundred bucks as opposed to 
hey, man, I'm going all in. Kind of like to your point, Josh, starting a business, putting all your chips out there, maxing out your credit cards, only to find out it's not going to work. And then you're left with with nothing. So what you guys are able to do to from an educational standpoint to democratize the uh, ability for younger people to get into the game is, is super cool. And that's one of the things that I that I like so much about uh, what mm-hmm. you guys are doing. Yeah, it's definitely a, a big aspect. And we didn't even touch on that. But something Stan and I think is really important in, in this type of um, industry and will be continue to be important is that social we call it the social um, ed- investing aspect. And, and what we mean by that is the, the educational piece, but also for people to, to feel more and more comfortable. So like an example of that is, you know, if we we onboard somebody uh, and they're saying, hey, you know, I like, hey, you know, the example would be the deal we have now. Right. It's a description. And our goal is to find more and more of these type of people that don't have a problem. And the next steps would be they have even a profile where you as like you said, Tim, a younger novice investor can go, oh, man, I don't I don't know if I want to invest all this money, but let me see what pocket property is about. Oh, there, this deal seems pretty cool. Let me click this video. Oh, wow this investor has done tons of deals, 10 years of experience. Here's a link to their website with all the deals and what they're doing. This makes me feel, you know, pretty comfortable. Like you said, I'll invest, I'll invest $10. So from that standpoint, you're almost like an angel list for real estate as well. Yeah. In terms of. And, and that's the kind of the approach that we're taking. One one of the things that we're doing with this MVP is just trying out different things, seeing what people like. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, we're like like I mentioned a little bit earlier, we're currently working with a individual out of Texas to see if we can get a fund structured later today. Um, even we have a call. yeah <laughs> later later today um, to see if we can get some type of a fund structured. Um, he's a he currently already owns has a fund down in uh, Austin, Texas. That's for accredited investors. That's raised. Uh, a substantial amount of money. Um, one of his things is he he also owns a real estate uh, agency, a brokerage, brokerage, brokerage. Uh, with a bunch of agents. But the thing is, none of his agents can even invest with them because of the yeah, way yeah, the yeah. they're they're not accredited. Um, so we're currently working on this fund with him, which would be specifically towards these individuals. He's a, you know, a well-established real estate investor. He has a great track record with funds. He's willing to do stuff with unaccredited investors. Uh, but just until, you know, till very recently, the landscape hasn't allowed him to do so. So that, you know, that's one of the things, like you said, with Angels List, there's individuals who have great track records who are reaching out, you know, getting more clients into their particular fund. So that's, you know, that is a, a fairly accurate comparison in that in that sense. So recently I've been thinking about things that I've gotten better at over time. Um, and it's things that I put a lot of reps into. Right. And then I think about things like, I really wanted something, but I didn't really put a rep into it. So it made me think about like in like, I don't know, fifth grade, I wanted to be in this band. And so I'd show up to band practice, but I never really like got into it. I never really learned how to play the guitar. I bought a guitar, but I didn't learn how to play the guitar. You know, it seems ridiculous. Uh, and I'm, and, and there's a lot of people that might like want to be a social media influencer or whatever it is. And they do very minimal work to start seeing success. And so I was thinking about, this on a run recently to to more like this as a as an avid runner but i was like why am i getting better at this right why have i started to see that i'm improving significantly over time and last week's guest jason calacanis says it's it's all about reps right you know put b b steph curry keep shooting those threes and i and i believe he said this on, on 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 the replay it was People are shocked that he makes the shots, but if you see him practice all day, he's doing it all day. You know, he's putting in the reps. And so because I'm running a lot more, because I'm swimming a lot more, because I'm doing a lot more athletic things, I'm seeing improvement in in those because I'm putting in the reps. Same thing goes with business, right? You can't just want a successful business. You have to put in the reps to do it. And so it's you have to do the motions to see that success. And, and I think sometimes you have to put yourself, I think almost every time you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And I, and I, and I strongly believe that what I'm hearing from you is you've taken an apprenticeship 
not internship approach to some of the ways that you've engaged into your your career, into your business. And the way I look at those things differently is an intern, someone who's like, oh, give me college credit. Let me do this for three months. Let me go make your coffee, whatever. Mm -hmm. An apprentice is someone who might actually be that same thing, but is focused on learning as much and immersing themselves as much as possible to learn the trade so that they can make an impact in that at a later time. And I, and I think that's something that more people need to do. I yeah. wish I would have done that in college when I was in uh, journalism school. I think I would have like actually maybe quit journalism school. had I realized that like, I didn't like that world, yeah. but I, I think more people, if like they want to do something like go do that act, like figure that out. And like yeah. you, you're, I feel like, I feel like Stanley, you were kind of clowning like, Oh yeah. You know, I was, I was cold calling, you know, and I, you know, that people don't want to do that. Well, the reason you're seeing the success now is because you did those reps before. Oh, 100 percent. You know, and I'm a very uh, introverted person, so uh, you know, that, and, and that, it's funny because the, the when I first started working with Josh, um, if he had told me in the most layman terms what I would be doing, I wouldn't have taken it. Um, <laughs> um, if he had told me I'd be out there, you know, one day I walked 11 miles to uh, sell people uh, internet and cable. And uh, that's right. <laughs> 11 miles in a day. Um, you had told me that I would have been like, no. But, you know, once again, it, it puts you. It's first off, not only is it an opportunity because um, everything's an opportunity, really how you look at it. Yep. But when you get in those kind of uncomfortable situations, uh, you start to adapt. You start to, you know, not panic and start looking for the solutions. Yeah. Um, like you said, with the reps, too, it's you do it over and over again, you get more confident. You're like, okay, well, I know I, when you, you know, I, I, I'll put it this way. Um, when we pitched, I remember pitching Tim the first time and he's like, okay, this sounds cool. I like you. This sounds cool. I have no idea what you're doing per se. <laughs> um, you know, the ins and outs, but you know, even to when we got in, uh, I did a pitch with, um, it was an angel pitch for William and Mary. Uh, Tim was there, uh, even then answering the questions, you know, they give us a question. We didn't have a good answer to it. They give us a question. We're like, uh, you know, fumbling through the answers, but we've done it so many times now over and over and over when those questions come up, you know, just because I've done them, just because I've refined them. Muscle memory. It, yeah. It's, exactly. It's, yeah. And I, I, I want to, yeah, go ahead. I want to touch on something that you haven't done before. And that was releasing the MVP. Yeah, I, I want to hear about that process because, I mean, to your credit, you guys did it. And to so many other founders out there, they're so afraid to put that MVP out that they don't even get that far. Yeah. So yeah. what was it like leading up to it? What was it to the point where we're like, here we go, we're, we're pressing the button, so to speak, and this thing's live. Yeah, yeah. I would love to hear. I remember because I think I sent an email out the day we. Yeah, that it changed. So but I'll I, let Stan but, give the the start there. Yeah, I, I would say the build up to it. You know, one of the things we're doing, uh, we're we're in an industry this there's no there's no blueprint quite yet. Um, it's not like people you know going out and starting a you know a coffee shop. You could probably Google how to do that. So a lot of the times it was all right. We're going to run with this idea. We're going to run with this idea. This is it. Then you're like, oh. This isn't it. You got to change it. You know, so a lot of, you know, a good chunk of our time was really just figuring out how do you actually do it? Yeah. Even before, you know, thinking about the MVP before this, um, you know, so it, it's that that whole process was a lot of figuring out trial and error, trial and error. This isn't going to work. All right. What's the solution for this particular issue we're running in? Yeah. Um, you know, that led to a slight pivot. Uh, for us, one of the big questions that we would always get is like acquisitions. And we were, you know, how are you going to get properties, this, that, and the third? We came up with an answer. We were like, this monetarily is not going to work. Um, so we had to make that pivot. So, you know, that pushes back, um, you know, the launch of the MVP because you're like, all right, I got to go through and redo everything. Yeah. But, um, you yeah. know, once we kind of nailed it down, it was straight to the MVP. Um, aside from a couple of hiccups uh, along the way, as far as on the technology end, um, you know, it went, it went smoothly. We had everything in place, everything that needed to be in place, uh, especially from the compliance end, which is the most important. That's the biggest killer for fintechs, for securities companies. If you can't get the compliance stuff straight, then you might as well not even work on the MVP. Um, so once we got that straight, 
you know, it was, I don't want to say smooth sailing, but a lot of the, a lot of the uh, barriers have been moved out the way. Yeah. And I would even say Zach, to your point earlier, it's to get, and, and Tim, for, to answer your question, you know, for us to, to get to that point, it was that, that mindset of like, exactly that. I tell the, the team all the time is uh, a, an analogy I love to give, and it's a quick, short one, but I think it, it exactly puts out what you were saying, Zach, is I always say, uh, stay in the deep end. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you think of an analogy of a pool, if you're in the shallow end, you got a, a safety net, you can stand on the bottom, you can grab the side, but if you stay in the deep end in the middle, you got to tread water, you got to learn how to, to float, you got to learn how to, to stay up and, you know, constantly keeping yourself uncomfortable, you know. Um, and so when we looked at, okay, what is pocket properties? What's our timetable? That was one of the things I challenged the team with is we have to put a hard date on this, because if you don't, then it just keeps getting pushed out. And that's something I'm uh, found in, in my you know, short professional career has been extremely valuable to me is the working backwards approach. So set a goal, um, whether that be three months down, down the line and then work backwards every single week until you get to today. And now today and tomorrow are the most important day in that journey. Because if you, you know, most people start from today and then if something comes up, most people go, oh, well, you know what? That won't be a big deal. We're still, we have three months till we're launching MVP. But three months, if you don't, they don't realize if I don't do today and tomorrow, that becomes four. That becomes five months. Next thing you know, there is no launch. There is no MVP. So that was a big focus for us is let's work backwards. You know, let's set this date. Um, not that, you know, it's the end of the world if we don't hit it. But what that did is put pressure on the whole team that we're not just talking concept anymore. This needs to become a real thing. We need to hit milestone goals and we need to get a product out. It doesn't need to be the best product in the world. That was another thing, helping the team understand minimal viable product, minimal viable product. You know, we're a startup. We don't need to come out with what Robinhood looks like now or what Facebook or sorry, Meta looks like now. You know, all of these things. Uh, and I always use the example of Snapchat. I remember when Snapchat came out. And my friend told me, hey, check out this thing. I think it's going to be huge. And I was like, this is not a great app. The, it's very grainy picture quality. Like all I can do is send a picture back and forth. I don't know. You look at it now and that business is scaled completely. Well, I guarantee if you talk to their founders, what they would say is that was MVP. That was proof of concept. That was minimal viable product. Well, Instagram was only on the iPhone to start, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like little things like that. Yeah, it's exactly. um... and now you, you look at now and that company is exploded. Right. So that's kind of some of the things that helped us get the MVP yeah. out. Some of our focus. And the great thing is you, not every single user went away. You still have people. You have people in the waiting list. And that now that first rep being the most important. Maybe it went off the rim and it went in. Maybe it went off the rim and you didn't get the right role and you missed the shot. But now. 2.0, 3.0. I mean, it's just going to get easier and better and Absolutely. continue to improve the entire time. Yeah. When I was when I was at the gym, when I was at the gym the other day, I went to the basketball court and then I shot ten shots. I missed all ten. <laughs> it's, it's but but you took ten shots. They're yeah. all layups. They're all layups too, by the way. <laughs> so now you do that for you know ten weeks and you know come back to us and we'll see how many you make. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll make one. Uh, Sorry, feel better. I hurt my back last week playing basketball, so. We're, we're in the same boat, both, both not a lot of wins. <laughs> so blockchain is, is in the description. Uh, I think I heard three other letters that uh, I really have tried to understand, but can't understand an NFT. Like, uh, is there an NFT in this? Like, can you yeah. walk through that whole uh, thing yeah. that I don't understand? That was a last minute addition Stan can definitely talk about because it was really unique and really. You don't cool. understand it either. Is that why, Josh? <laughs> Me? No, I understand it, but uh, at the surface level. That's why, you know, I, I know my lane, and it's not quite there yet. We're getting there. But, uh, you know, I, we got a great team around us, and that's what I trust these guys for. Is just, I, that's why I'm going to kick it to Stan. Also, because it was really his innovation and another team member of ours kind of last minute, and then, um, you know, Stan figured out a way to integrate it into, you know, what we were already going to launch. So I don't want to take away any of the thunder. We'll, we'll just say that, Zach. Yeah, so, um, you know, blockchain is a – it's, it's, it's a great technology if you actually understand it. What it can do is it's, it's awesome. You know, we've all seen Ethereum, Bitcoin. Um, you know, those are just the surface layer stuff that, that people generally understand. Uh, but, you know, from the basis, it's a vehicle for a 
you know, in, in the sense that we use it as for security. Um, you know, you've heard the term tokens before. If you think of tokens as shares, they're synonymous. When you purchase a um, stock from the stock market, you're getting a one of one of a hundred that's specifically yours can't be forged, can't be duplicated, but there's a lot of stuff that goes in. There's a whole back office approach that goes into, you know, ensuring that. Uh, with blockchain, it's almost like buying a stock, but instead of having to deal with a lot of the back office hoopla, you know, the average person can create something that there's only one of it, or, you know, there's a batch of it, and beyond that batch of a thousand or however many you make, you know, there's no more. Um, so, you know, seeing the power and being able to do that Really, it gives people the ability to create, you know, securities offerings for a specific entity that can no longer be forged or, or you know, um, what's the term that I'm looking for? Duplicated. Yeah. Without a without the owner's permission. Right. Or um, counterfeited even. Yeah. Correct. And then also, once again, when it takes a lot of that back office process out, you know, there's no longer the need for having a completely separate accounting system because you know where all the you can see every transaction on the ledger and those transactions can't be forged. Um, you know that uh, people can begin to custody their own uh, securities, almost like when, you know, back in the day when you could get the paper version of your stock, that was you custodying your own security. Um, so it gives you a lot of power, a lot of flexibility when it comes to it. Uh, how we're integrating it is very much in a, uh, in a securities manner. Uh, there's, there's a lot of integration that's left to do. It's not fully integrated on the MVP uh, whatsoever. But really what we've done is we're offering an NFT, which stands for non-fungible token, which is, we call it, it's a reservation NFT. Because currently this deal is in what's called testing the waters, which means it's not a live offering quite yet. We're waiting on some forms to get done. Um, but what it provides those people who have said, hey, I want to, invest. Uh, essentially what it is, is a capital call. They have a NFT, uh, which in this case is actually a little image of the house. Um, I wish I had one to show you, but it's a little image of the house that, you know, people who own that uh, particular NFT have early access to the offering since they've done a reservation. So once that offering goes live, we'll do a capital call. The people who have that NFT, we can see who who they are, we can verify it, have access to purchase their shares before it uh, goes to the general public. Uh, Follow-up question to that, that uh, you guys have a WeFunder campaign that's been uh, that ongoing, which is another great way to determine who your early uh, supporters are. Yeah. What, what did you learn uh, along the process of doing a campaign on WeFunder? So we learned we learned quite a bit. Um, one of the things is we know who we're looking for, our target audience, who's going to use the platform on the consumer side, because those same people who are using the platform on, you know, who are investing on the WeFunder are the same people who are in our Discord, who are the most passionate about the project. Um, you know, generally their ages are once again, like 18 to about 30 is what we what we found. And they're they're really emotionally invested in the project. They want to see it do good. They've put their heart on capital into us and, you know, trust us to be able to, you know, execute and get a product out and continue to grow the company. Yeah. And that's one thing that a lot of people are afraid to do. They're afraid to put something out there because they're they don't want to hear any potential bad news. They don't want someone to tell you that the product sucks. But if you if you do put it out there, the feedback that you can get or the direction that that people are going to tell you that they want the product to go, I mean, they're they're giving you the roadmap in terms of what features and functionality you should add to version two, three and beyond. Exactly. A hundred percent. And we, you know, one of the things, and this is when it comes back to the, to the pitching, you know, we've pitched, uh, we've had one big batch where we talked to VCs uh, very early on. I mean, it was way before MVP. Um, you know, we got feedback that we didn't necessarily like, uh, but we needed it. And I mean, just by putting ourselves out there, we've avoided making a lot of mistakes and answered a lot of questions that we we're like, oh, we got this figured out, but we really didn't have it figured out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, anything with sales, 
is or just in life you got to put yourself out there you got to be able to take the nose the hard nose where and the soft ones um so you know <laughs> so you know that's that's one thing you can't be afraid to put yourself out there especially yeah. and and, and it's, don't get me wrong it's scary you don't want to hear somebody tell you your idea is dumb yeah or it's not going to work or you know somebody else is going to do it better yeah but i mean that's just the name of the game Yep. They say the number one, what fear is public speaking to me that it's not, it's just rejection <laughs> because why would people not want to public speak? They don't want to be, they're afraid to not be accepted. What they're saying is not accepted. So it's one of the things we focus on is how do we know if we don't know? And the only way we're going to know is the more shots you take, like we said earlier, law of averages, it's a numbers game. If you put more in the top, it's going to come down in the bottom. And along that journey through that, 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 you know, top of the funnel down to the bottom, um, you learn a lot. And then from there, you adapt, you grow, you apply it. And then at the end, that's where you see success. But no one sees all the shots, right? But you got to keep taking them because the people that succeed don't give up. Another thing that was interesting, too, is that you guys kind of, you had one approach in terms of, I can't remember, was it was it TikTok or was it uh, Snapchat where you're engaging with the public, but then you, you had a minor pivot, you threw something on Twitter and then that kind of blew up. And then you're mm -hmm. like, man, our audience is on Twitter. Yep. What, uh, you know, take us through that, that little micro journey, if you will. Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, marketing and that's something I see, you know, a lot of times people think with, with marketing or trying to just, like you said, reach an audience, they think, okay, well, if I just fire across everything and just keep going and going and going and going, eventually, that works out too. But you also have to refine that process and figure out, like you just said, where is our audience, right? Like, why would we as a company spend, you know, $5,000 on paid ads on Instagram, but we're not, you, we get no engagement, right? Nothing's coming from it versus, oh, wait a second, let's, let's be, you know, analytical here. Let's take our shots, let's put it out there, but let's also look at the data and let that also help guide the way. So for us, that was a big thing. Social media is obviously going to be a huge way we, we market, um, you know, in a lot of ways it's, it's free um, and, 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 you know, who doesn't have social media, um, you know, most people. Right. And so for us, it was, okay, like, let's take a step back. Let's look at the numbers. We've been doing this long enough where we have compiled data and we went, wow, we get the most, the best results from Twitter. And, you know, I, I think Tim, you and I talked about this a little bit and Stan as well. We were all there. Uh, part of that is just because that seems to be the go-to platform where people trust for more of like uh, social engagement, but also for more serious, right? Um, and it seems to be, that seems to be the preferred platform. Um, and I think you would even agree with me. I, I see you're pretty active on, on, on Twitter. Um, so for us, it was looking at it and going, okay, let's keep putting things out across Instagram, but let's pivot a lot of our focus and more intentional content to our audience and where they are. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a very, you know, um, I think uh, a journey that at first, to be honest, I, I thought, oh, it's going to be Instagram. It's going to be, um, you know, uh, these TikTok reels. But really, if you think about what those platforms are, are, are used for, it, it's not quite even what we're looking for. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, especially because around here locally, at least in the, the 757 Hampton Roads area, Twitter's not it's not really utilized. It's interesting. Like even with people on the show, it's like, hey, what's your Twitter handle so that we can, when we do release the show, we can uh, mention you and, and we can cross uh, cross communicate or market, if you will. And, and not a lot of people around here have it. And it's, mm. I really think it's an opportunity missed. And it, it, Twitter has worked well for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. That is, I never thought about that, Tim, until you just said it. So that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, Josh, how long, how long is it going to take before you rebrand the current uh, pocket properties purple to the actual hex code of Ravens purple? <laughs> yeah, that, that's been a slow process. We got some Steelers fans <laughs> on the team. Oh man, it's been, I know, right? That's the face I like to see, Zach. Um, oh, uh, to answer your question, Tim, just so that we get this out in the public, some are saying that the Browns are going to release Baker Mayfield and the Steelers would pick him up. Wouldn't that be something if he goes to the Steelers and has a 15-year career there? That would be very interesting. Just to get it on the record out there. It won't matter. We'll help him set an interception record either way. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> 
Uh, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Um, you know, I think, no, this was great. I mean, you know, it's always, always fun. Uh, whenever we get a chance to talk to you guys and anything, you know, with, with start wheel and, uh, anything, you know, it's been great and uh, great experience. Um, so I don't know, Stan, do you have anything off the top of your head? I mean, I guess the no. big thing is, you know, um, yeah, if you're interested, we're, we're super open. We're, we're, we're out there, you know, check out our WeFunder. Our website is live. Um, we're also pretty active on Discord. So if you really want to connect with us and you really want to ask Stan or I something directly, we will respond. Um, that's really us. Uh, same thing. Um, you can shoot me something on Twitter. There you go. Um, and, you know, we'd love to answer questions or connect with any audience or anybody that wants to know more about us. Awesome. Right. Yeah, I wish you guys uh, continued success. Um, it's been fun watching your journey thus far, and you're just getting started. So I'm super super excited for you guys. That's right. Yeah, we're super excited too. Thank you Thank guys you. for the Thank support you. as well. Thank you. See you guys soon. Peace. All right. Take care. So long.